Hey everyone, I'm your host, Wesley Tran, and welcome to Recovering Travel Junkie, a podcast where we'll be discussing how traveling has impacted a person's personal growth and purpose, and we'll be diving deeper to understanding the world's different human beings. Welcome to Recovering Travel Junkie. Today, we have another special friend of mine. He is a virtual education consultant. He is everyone's favorite cheerleader. And he is currently using his voice to tell stories in his podcast. He is my friend, Brian Nosick. Welcome, Brian. Thanks, Wesley. It's great to be on. Hey, yeah. And so uh, I like to ask this question to everyone who comes on. How did we first meet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was definitely in Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I believe it was at City Church, right? It was, I think it, it was, was at the, City Church, Chicago. Right. City. And was it during a revival night? Does that ring a bell by any chance? Because that sounds kind of Yeah, funny. yeah, it was. Because I remember kind of a kooky pastor, kind of looking like <laughs> Donald Trump, <laughs> kind of doing a one-man show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah, it was it was during revival night. I think you were wearing a beanie too. It's just for some reason that's I probably was. Yeah, yeah. That was that was the the swag you had when you were in Chicago, buttoned down with a beanie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we met in that really crowded lobby. It was just jam packed with people, and, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I think I mentioned you said that you were going to be in Chicago for. Uh, you were doing some some work down in the south side uh, that you were out visiting and you were kind of preaching on the street with with this uh pastor that you met and i, I think i invited you to my life group that that i was attending mm-hmm. and and then from that point on we we kind of just clicked and i think we went out to get food before a, a, another revival night that we had yeah and, we did we had like jerk chicken yeah yeah right down the street yeah that was pretty good um, mm-hmm. I think the chicken was fresh. It, it took a while to get that food, though. Yeah. And I remember it was jerk chicken just because there's no friggin' jerk chicken in San Diego. And so <laughs> I craved jerk chicken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was delicious. I, I don't think I've been there since then. But um, mm-hmm. I think when you mentioned you're were, you were traveling back to the south side, I was like, man, I don't think I want you to take a train. You know, I'm going to offer him a ride. So, yeah. interesting. Yeah, so I, from my recollection, what my first interaction with you was, so I was actually there in Chicago because I didn't work my spring break. And so I wanted to go somewhere new, somewhere fun. And so I was looking at cheap plane tickets and one of them was Chicago. And so I was like, let's do it. And then I was looking at things to do in Chicago and one of them was Lollapalooza, a four-day music festival. And I was like, never gone to a music festival before let's just go and so I couldn't find anyone to go with me but I really wanted to go so I did did anyway and I couldn't find any places to stay at and so the only place I could stay was in Southside Chicago so that's why I stayed there but that's where I met the street preacher and started just following him around and then because like it was an Airbnb, but it was like a hostel in Southside Chicago. So a bunch of travelers coming in and out. Mm-hmm. And one of them, I noticed, like one of my roommates, she had a Bible on her bed. And I was like, you a believer? And she's like, yeah. Uh, 
you going to church? He was like, yeah. Uh, found this church called City Church Chicago. I was like, hey, can I tag along? And he was like, sure. And so went on a Sunday. And I believe you were like ushering or something or like right after a service. And I just hit you up and just like, hey, I'm new to the area. Like to meet you guys. And then that's when we started going to the revival night that later that week just to hang out. Uh, I see. I, it's great seeing the other side of the story. You know what I mean? It was great that you chose to go to Chicago too, man. It's perfect mm -hmm. time. That was an amazing summer for sure. Yeah, August 2018. Oh, like yeah. One of the most memorable summers I've ever had. I agree. Same here. <laughs> yeah, so Brian, I would love to talk about where you grew up so you said it was the poconos yeah, yeah the poconos. So i'm um a, a born and bred a slovakian so i was actually born in in Ch uh, slovakia at the time and i moved mm -hmm. here when i was a kid with my parents and my sisters and we bounced around a lot but uh, what we did was we ended up staying in pennsylvania in the poconos it's about two and a half hours north of Philadelphia. It's kind of in the in the wilderness. Mm. Um, and and yeah, really, I mean, just growing up there, it was nice. It, it it had a lot of nature to it. So my parents were always fine with us just kind of running around, making friends with the neighbors, going on the street. That was back then when people weren't sticking at sticking at home, you know, and just yeah. being by their computer. You know, the good old days, kind of like a Stranger yeah. Things vibe. And, <laughs> and yeah, and you know, as you grow up, you know, as a teenager, you want to start exploring more and doing more things. And I guess this happens to everyone. Your hometown starts to get a little bit old on you. You want to try to see something new. And mm -hmm. really, the Poconos is kind of a tourist spot. So it was great for skiing, hiking even paintballing, whitewater rafting. It was just a tourist spot, especially for New Yorkers and people from Jersey. So mm. at some point we kind of exhausted everything that we can do there. And I was just kind of itching to, you know, finally move out into the city. And that's eventually I ended up in, in Philadelphia, but I've always gained an appreciation for being in the Poconos just because it helped me understand that, you know, city life is great and all, but it's it's also relaxing to be able to just be away from people and experience this amazing world that that was created and um i do miss it from time to time and my mother still lives there so i go to visit as much as i really can mm. that's awesome and whenever you were in philly and chicago what's one thing that you're proud of of the poconos like dang the city doesn't have this like the Poconos does. Ooh, okay, that's good. Um, really, I I just I would say it's the scenic view of everything. Like the Poconos is is literally just mountains, and I love to just express with people just how amazing it is to take a step back and, like I said, just really appreciate the nature. Uh, the Poconos just has plenty of just memorable kind of mountain ranges and and lakes and dams and just all these things around and it, that's mm -hmm. something that i just miss from time to time and whenever i someone's like oh where's the poconos i've never heard of such a place i explain to them with so much imagery that 
that it's just a place you have to visit if you want to come and, and relax. Mm. So is there something unique that you can do in the Poconos outside of the, all the other touristy places that East Coasters can go to? <laughs> well, I, I, actually, my first job, I was a, a ref for paintball. And it was a place called Skirmish. And paintball is just huge up there. And, and they have this huge, um, I think it was like 108 acre kind of field of different places you could play. A castle, woodlands, like a broken down airplane and all that stuff. And wow. I think that's just something really cool to experience with a group of people. And mm. it's one of the biggest in the nation, at least on the eastern seaboard. So that's something I love to just throw out there because uh, people are always looking for group activities and it's just something completely unique. I mean, yeah, you can always go camping and you can always go fishing, but actually paintballing, like I feel like that's just something you, could, you should experience in your lifetime. Wow. Yeah, that sounds so cool. Can you tell us about your Slovakian identity and how it was growing up in, a, in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah. So, like I mentioned, it was my sisters and, and my parents that came out here uh, to the States and really ultimately searching for what every Eastern European cliche kind of um, moment is the American dream. Mm -hmm. We, my parents were grow, grew up under communism. So, they experienced just that kind of turmoil and suppression as a kid growing up. So they wanted us to have the best life possible. And they saw with clear skies that America is the place. Like this is the place to have the opportunities and they just wanted a better life for us. So when we came to the States, as <laughs> I'm tired of bringing this up as a cliche, but it really is what happened is when we came here, we were dirt broke. We really mm -hmm. didn't have much. And it was much harder to get started and settled than what was pictured and what was imagined so as as we grew up as a family in the states we were struggling to make money uh, trying to learn the english language and really ultimately just trying to feel a part of the community and mm -hmm. as time you know progresses and goes on we try to fit in and eventually we did so some of the struggles were just trying to find jobs get money get started and at least for me, one of my struggles was trying to learn English. I had to take ESL as a kid for about four years. And I kind of felt like a test subject. I was like, why, why should I be in an ESL class? Like, why can't I be with normal, like people in a normal classroom so I can make mm -hmm. friends and, and live like a normal kid? Mm -hmm. So eventually I, I, I realized that you know, this is where I live now and I need to make the effort. And um, a lot of people in my life have uh, encouraged me and uh, gave me self-confidence that I was able to um, overcome that hump. And I, I am thankful that that hasn't happened to me later in life, that this all happened to me when I was a kid, because mm -hmm. you're able to observe, uh, uh, excuse me, um, absorb more as a kid. So it took a little bit of time to adjust but eventually, at the end of the day, we all can say that we're uh, proud to be in this great land, in this great country. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I can relate so much to that story because my, my parents 
fled from Vietnam to escape from communism and to the west coast of California in pursuit of the American dream. And the thing is, my dad actually achieved that American dream of getting a high paying job in the Silicon Valley, getting his own house so that his kids like me can grow up in a place where we can move around in social classes or geography if we wanted to. And yeah. it's so interesting to hear two parallels of the effects of communism working that way. Yeah, and something else I would like to add is, um, you know, I think that really helped shape our parents too, because this created such a work ethic that they wanted to provide a better life for us. So mm-hmm. my father, he eventually got into union work all the way out in New York and New Jersey. And that was an over two hour commute every single day. We'd Jeez, wake up. Wow. Yeah, it, I, I mean, I give him all the credit. It was just amazing. Like he would literally wake up before five o'clock in the morning in order to get there on time at whatever, whatever it was, seven, eight, and would have to drive through rush hour on the way back home and get back around seven, eight o'clock at night and really only have time to, to eat, maybe watch a show for 30 minutes, say his love to us and, and then go back to sleep because he knew he had to wake up early the next day. So um, I got to give credit to, to our parents and mm-hmm. um, the work that they put in to give us this American dream. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like for me as a ethnically Vietnamese person, but grew up entirely American, born in America, English mm-hmm. is my first language and my natural language. I feel the sacrifices that my parents made have given me so much privilege. Like, even though my skin is not white, I have certain class privileges because of the sacrifices that my parents have made. Absolutely. Yeah, and it, it definitely expanded my, my mind and um, it gave me an appreciation for, for other cultures, um, just you know, acceptance mm-hmm. and yeah, it, I think that, um, you know, just living in two different worlds and, and experiencing two different cultures, even if it's in a country that doesn't necessarily express one form of your identity, uh, doesn't mean that it can't be accepted either. Yeah. So it was, sure. it was very eye-opening. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a primarily Vietnamese-American community. Did you grow up in like a Slovakian American community at all in the Poconos? I would say our community really just was our family. And mm. till this very day, we're still the only family um, that's living in the States. Everyone else, uncle, cousins, uh, grandparents, everyone is still in Slovakia. We are completely by ourselves out here in the States. So oh, wow. we, it, it really drew us together as a family it made us mm-hmm. understand that something like petty problems doesn't matter you know money like if it was money issues or quarrels like it that stuff didn't matter because at the end of the day we were the only people that had each other and mm. we, we tried to find a community and we do eventually find one or two families that were either czech or slovakian mm-hmm. and they used to be two uh excuse me one country at a mm-hmm. point in time in history so it was very similar so 
we did find a little community, but at the end of the day, I, I could probably say that our um, complete family, well, what's the term for it? Um, not satellite family. Do you know what the term is called? Nuclear um, family? Nuclear family. Thank you. Yes. Um, the nuclear family was my community, our community. Mm. How would you describe the relationship of Czech people and Slovakian people, especially because they're two ethnic groups <laughs> and once shared a country? Yes. Yeah. So I'll try to keep this as brief as possible, but still, <laughs> yeah. still give an idea. It's kind yeah. of like maybe like a rivalry sibling kind of vibe to it. Mm. But when they were at one country, it was unified. Uh, everything was pretty much the same. Um, but before that, they were two separate countries, then they became one. And eventually they s split off again. And when they split off, people in Slovakia, at least to my knowledge, they kind of felt like that the Czechs really got all the money, all the benefits, all the focus. I mean, everyone knows the most popular city in Czech Republic, Prague. Mm -hmm. And yeah. if you ever been to Prague, it's absolutely gorgeous. I, I think it's the most beautiful city in Europe, uh, counting the Western part of Europe. It's, it's amazing. So mm -hmm. there has always been this kind of rivalry. It's like, oh, you know, they, they got all the money. They got all the big politics. They got all the best athletes where, you know, Slovakia would kind of, in a sense, got the, the second best, you know, and we mm. did produce a, a lot of great things out of the country, but it's always felt like some kind of sibling rivalry, but mm -hmm. the language is very similar. It's practically the same, just maybe a little different dialects and really mm -hmm. the culture and even the food is almost spot on. So at the end of the day, we, we love each other, but you know, we can't stand each other too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you think with the way you describe that relationship, it has given you an underdog mentality to try and succeed in the best way possible in all your pursuits? I would like to say so, but at the end of the day, that's, I wouldn't really consider myself as an underdog being uh, a Slovakian compared to the Czech Republic. Maybe. Uh, underdog mm. in terms of what Slovakia is. It's a very small country that people don't know much about and maybe brush off. I think that's really where I get that underdog, underdog mentality is just trying to prove myself to really mm -hmm. the world um, that there are great and amazing people that can produce fantastic stuff from a country that consists of maybe 5 million people. Yeah, wow. And Whenever you meet new people and tell them that you're born in Slovakia, what's one thing you love sharing about Slovakia to them? I love sharing the history of it, specifically about castles. Uh, if people nowadays, they love these Game of Thrones, Vikings, all this stuff. And mm -hmm. Slovakia has so many castles that are preserved to the you know, maximum ability. And if people are just kind of a, a like a history hog, like they just want to get, uh, just learn so much more about what it was like in the past or just mm -hmm. Europe being developed. Uh, it's, Slovakia has one of the most amazing, richest histories in, in the world. And mm -hmm. 
even the hometown I, I'm from, Trenchen, has a beautiful castle that's overlooking the city. So I love to share with people um, if they ever wanted to visit Europe, that they should check out Slovakia because they can see some beautiful historic sites and and be able to to learn more about the country at the end of the day. And I, I love just pulling it up on my phone and being like, hey, you know, check out uh, the types of castles that we have. Um, even in the capital, in, in Bratislava, they have this castle that looks like Super Mario's castle. And oh, it's, oh, it's I see kind of funny. Image. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely check it out when when you have a chance, Wes. But it's mm-hmm. it's uh, just one of the many things I I, I like to uh, showcase to people when they ask mm-hmm. about Slovakia. Yeah, that's awesome. And have you gone back to Slovakia since your lifetime? Yeah. So as a kid, when we did move out here every year, me and my sisters would go to Slovakia and we'd stay with our grandparents in two separate cities, in, in Trenčín and in Zielina, which is really close to the border of Poland. So it's mm-hmm. right underneath Poland to give people a little bit of a reference. And yeah, we would go there every year as a kid, but as time grows on and as we get older, uh, time and money become finite resources. So it's been mm-hmm. a little harder to get back. I managed to spin a study abroad program for myself at, at my college to be able to go study a semester there and oh, wow. yeah it worked out really nicely um and and then even last year i, I went back in uh, 2019 in the summertime my sister was getting married and she's like i want to get married in the place that we're from so mm. we went back to trenchin and the coolest thing ever it's probably the best wedding i ever seen we did it in the castle so reception wow. yeah the ceremony everything took place in the castle it was a once in a lifetime kodak moment where we had a mix of our family here in the states going back to bring everyone that it was still in slovakia and her uh, brother oh my brother-in-law now um and her husband having his side of the family which is partly irish but um, really grew up in in the states come together here with friends and family and just this one historic once in a lifetime spot and it was pretty cheap believe it or not it's something really? maybe your viewers could look into yeah it's it was maybe a couple thousand euros to get all that set up wow that was so cheap oh yeah definitely yeah because i think i read the average for an american wedding is thirty thousand. <laughs> oh my goodness that's the average yeah that's like a whole salary for somebody it's it's mm-hmm. quite a bit yeah and how would you describe visiting slovakia as a kid in comparison to visiting slovakia as an adult yeah as a kid i i feel like that i saw more so my grandparents i primarily stayed with them when i visited they would always want me to see just a different part of the country. Like we once took a train all the way to the east side of Slovakia in Kozice. And they were able to show me just that whole, it's almost like a different lifestyle. I would compare it to something like in the United States, there's the East Coast and the West, the South mm-hmm. and the Midwest. 
And in Kojit said, they just had a different kind of vibe to things. It was a lot faster paced, um, even the way they talked and, and with their service and everything like that. Um, or even just taking me to stuff like uh, there was a catacombs kind of museum and um, taking us to this really, it, it was a really weird um, museum that they took, took me to once. It kind of, follow along with me here, but it's kind of, it was kind of like going to a mini golf course and you know how in a mini golf course they had these little structures set up, maybe like a little windmill, um, maybe like a castle, yeah. something like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. so they took us to this museum that was like that, where it would show the castle that was around during the time and a very popular king or queen that was representing that kingdom and that castle. And we even learned about the, the one woman who would, I'm, I'm trying to remember her name, how she would like kill the young mates and bathe in, her, in their blood. Um, oh. to make her feel younger I'm pretty sure they shouldn't show me that as a kid but <laughs> but it was still really interesting so as a kid I feel like I learned more about the country just to make sure I didn't lose my roots and mm. as as I got older I think I started experiencing more of the party have fun lifestyle just kind of relaxing hanging out with friends it's a country that's really big on going out to the bar and having a drink and mm. playing pool and doing all that stuff. So I, I think that's really the two differences between my years visiting Slovakia. Mm. That's awesome. All right, so I wanna talk about your time in Philly and how it was moving from the Poconos, the country to the big city in Philadelphia. Can you tell us how it was transitioning and how life was there? Yeah, so right off the bat, I was completely excited. Like I couldn't wait to experience that city life because at that point I was attending college and I just kind of wanted to go and have fun and just explore a different part of Pennsylvania. Plus I've always heard just really fun things about Philly. And yeah, I, people have always said, oh, it's called the brotherly love of a city. But I'll tell you right now, man, it's it's a different kind of love. It It kind of feels like a, like an older brother love, like he'll, he'll kick your butt, but he loves you kind of love, you know, it's, it's a gritty city. Mm -hmm. And I guess it really, me living there, I had to learn the culture of it. So like one of the big things was, like I said, it's, it's a little more tough skin. Um, if you stare at somebody, they're going to be like, like, what you looking at? You know, they mm -hmm. would, it, it would be a little bit more in a sense, intimidating, but obviously I, I want people to visit. It's, fantastic city it's great to visit for at least a day or two for a weekend mm -hmm. and you know just learning that kind of culture that you know you kind of have to be a little bit cutthroat but at the same time it has a, a brotherly love to it where people mm -hmm. will help you out and it just it was a very historic city too so I was really excited to check out the, the rocky steps which as you can imagine everybody's running up and down it just trying to be rocky Great workout though, mm -hmm. and uh, the statue, by the way, for the Rocky, uh, for Sylvester Stallone is at the bottom to like the left, and it's not actually at the top of the stairs of the art museum. Just so people know that mm. they don't get disappointed. But um, 
yeah, even like seeing City Hall is really awesome. It's kind of like in the center of the city and cars have to loop around it, kind of like what you would see in maybe Paris around the Arc de Triomphe. I do remember that in Philadelphia, the City Hall was just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that's historic. I actually, I didn't know you, you visited. That's, uh, that's awesome. It was actually for one day, which is why I forgot I visited. <laughs> and <laughs> it was because of my friend who went to Arcadia University. I met her in London. Shout out Allie Canfield. She was a freshman studying abroad. And I think it was her like complete first year. So she's never set foot in Arcadia University. Mm-hmm. Or, well, you know, took a class in on the campus and so her mm-hmm. first time was in london and so that's where we met uh then when i did my east coast trip i was like i really want to visit philadelphia i met someone from there i'm gonna do a day trip there <laughs> so i took a day trip to wow. philly and so i saw everything in central philly i missed the rocky steps because it was more outside of the city or at least downtown yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a hike. It's it, it kind of becomes more parkish and a little bit more residential as you move towards the Rocky Steps and and towards this lake that we have. It's I'm kind of blanking on the name of it, but yeah, small world. Um, it, yeah. Matter of fact, your friend probably was in this. Um, Arcadia had a special program where freshmen, if you did a early application, you can study your first year of college at Arcadia at a branch school like london as an example that is so unique yeah it's never seen anything like that before but it 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 was awesome it it was just great and i can't believe you're around philly around the same time i was oh shoot dang then yeah we were in the same city for a day (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah exactly how you said you know it's it's a it's a day city trip uh maybe a weekend at max and it could be a little bit forgetful, but you know, if you see the Liberty Bell, if you check out Old City where Ben Franklin was, um, Rocky Steps, City Hall, and Reading Terminal Market, which has an amazing, oh yeah, bunch of food and and restaurants around. It's a little crowded, but it's right in downtown and it's fantastic. I highly recommend anyone to check that out if they're looking for food in Philly. Yeah, my most memorable image of Philly was just walking down downtown like seeing all the mosaic pieces and murals and colorful buildings and bars everything was just so bright that day it was sunny it was in march and everything was so lively yeah yeah the city really comes to life when it's just a beautiful day out and i'm assuming you're on broad street too which is really just that was it yeah yeah it's beautiful out there um and i guess the last thing i would like to mention about the philly culture is they're really big on shoe game so jordan's uh, the latest air maxes oh yeah all, of that. yeah all those sneakers yeah yeah it's a big sneaker head town and you got to have the freshest kicks on if you want to <laughs> be able to make it and and be <laughs> the coolest kid at the club or you know whatever you're your kind of vibe is but yeah, yeah shoe game so. and, and clothes is really big in philly it's underestimated mm. how big it is are you a sneakerhead oh yeah absolutely <laughs> um, what i spent a big part of, actually the entire time i was living in philly 
I was working for Kicks USA, which is kind of like a Foot Locker or a mm-hmm. Champs. And yeah, I had the latest sneakers on. I got hooked immediately. It's a really expensive habit to have. It is. <laughs> yeah. And so earlier you mentioned how Arcadia freshmen have the opportunity to study abroad. Did you have that same opportunity as well when you were a freshman? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I did. So um, Arcadia, they have one of the best international programs in the country. And so this, this freshman kind of program that they had was, uh, like what I mentioned before, if you did an early application, you can study your first year of college on a, one of their branch campuses. But what I participated in was something called um, the Freshman uh, Spring Break Study Abroad Program. And what it was is it gave, it gave the ability for freshmen to experience a different part of the world so they don't have to go wild in, in Miami or wherever they live to uh, enjoy their spring break for seven days. Rather, they gave the freshmen the opportunity to pick a country of their listing. So there was Australia, China, London, um, I believe Oman w- was one of them that year. And mm-hmm. Cuba was on that list too. And I actually decided to check out Cuba. I was completely surprised to, to see it on the list. Yeah, especially just because of all of the relationship between the U.S. and Cuba. And I don't believe tensions resolved until 2019. So how did you go from Philly to Cuba? Yeah, yeah. So this was during still when there was that embargoment. And Arcadia, they had a a branch school out in Cuba where it was really for the art majors to experience their art. Um, something like, I think it was Fuster's, Fuster Landia in Havana. It was just like one of these, I'll get into it later, but it was just an amazing architectural feat in Cuba that's just extremely beautiful. And so they have these programs that are available for these students, and they kind of worked out a deal with the country that they can go and visit. So I really wanted to visit Cuba because, like what we talked about before, I never experienced communism, and I'm very thankful for that. But I do want to understand what it was like, especially for a country that is kind of stuck in that time frame, that time era. And you had to write an essay explaining why you wanted to visit that country of your choice, just to kind of prioritize and, um, you know, really see, try to make it fair for, for the students, I should say. And I explained to them exactly what I told you. My parents went through it, and I want to, you know, kind of get a, a piece of it and see what it was like. And wow. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, it was spring break, and it was a, a group of maybe 20 kids. Um, some of my friends went with me. I convinced them to go. And <laughs> we went to Havana, Cuba. So can you describe to us what communism looked like to you in Cuba? Uh, yeah, so, um, actually, can you repeat the question? Can you describe to us what your expectations were of communism in Cuba and then what you found out actually was happening throughout that country? Yeah, so what I was really expecting was really just a complete dictatorship. I was kind of expecting, in a sense, poverty 
and people would be unhappy that they're there and the fact that they're stuck there and they can't go anywhere else. And I was expecting um, just, just kind of a tyranny in the country and just kind of a, a dread to it. But in reality, what I discovered was it was one of the most welcoming, loving, and historically uh, mind-blowing places I've ever seen in my life. The fact that things are still preserved doesn't give it a dread look at all. It actually has a charm to it. Like, yeah, these, these older buildings kind of look like they were just quickly built up, but they have this color palette that's something I've never seen before. And even just seeing people driving around in these cars that were made in the 50s was amazing. And it was, and they were taxi services too. So it wasn't like you had to get a special tourist permit or anything like that. Like you could literally hail down one of these 1950s four T-Birds and somebody will pick you up and, and take you where you want, no problem. Obviously you gotta be a little more careful about this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But just to kind of give you an example, like that was just something that blew my mind. And, and mm. even the people were just so, so giving, even if they didn't really have much. Mm. Wow. And so did you feel like you were just going back in time, essentially? Yeah. I literally feel like I was thrown in a time capsule and just <laughs> tossed right along the, the Malecon, which is near the, the ocean. Um, we stayed in this uh, Riviera hotel, which kind of had this weird like mobster feel to it. Like they were trying to make it a little bit more tourist friendly um, because, you know, other people from other countries could come visit from Japan, Canada, Russia. But mm-hmm. it, it was um, it really felt like I was in a time capsule. I, there's still people who support even what Castro did. There would still be the banners and propaganda of Che. And, mm-hmm. and Fidel Castro still lying around. And, mm. and it, it was just something that I've never seen in my, in my life before, or even just people being able to own their own private business in their home. So having a restaurant, it's like, this is something they just got. It was just discovered. I think it was back in 2013, 2014, I went out there. So like just seeing these new innovations slowly coming to, to me felt like I was like, wow, I'm in a time capsule. I can't even hop on my own phone because there's no cellular connection that matches with Verizon. Just something as simple as that. Yeah. It was unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. And during your time there, did you or anyone in your group get singled out as Americans? Just like, it doesn't have to be like directly like targeting you it's just indirectly oh yeah they're americans we can tell and then mm-hmm. were there any negative stigmas because of that because of the tensions between the u.s and cuba at that time yeah so like i said the, the people there were extremely welcoming and very helpful um even this one person we me and my friends were walking down the malecon which is near the the ocean it's kind of like a, a river walk just for lack of better words and mm-hmm we came across a guy that was, that was fishing and, and he's like, Oh, he's like, hey, I could tell you guys aren't from here. And you know, it's a primarily Hispanic country and a couple of my friends were Caucasians. And he's like, you know, always, oh, like, I would love to come to America one day. I just, you know, I can't, I don't even have enough money to even feed my family. And, um, 
Mm. And they were like, you know what? This is like, we want to do something nice for this guy. So we would give him money and he would be so appreciative. He's like, you know, I don't want this. I, I just, you know, I, I just wanted to say like, I, I love your country. And we're like, no, 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 you know, take, take the money. And he's like, you know, this is going to feed my family for the next couple of days. So like, you guys are always welcome to this country. You know, I, I ne would never ask you for any money, but the fact that you're so loving just gives me more proof that America is such a, a great country. That was just one of the positive interactions that I've certainly encountered being in that country. But there are some negative stigmas to it. Um, there are like when we went to the markets, people would kind of hawk you like they would kind of like run towards you and be like, Oh, buy this, buy that. Cause mm -hmm. they know that you, you, you do have money and that you're here as tourists and they would try to hike up even prices. So our chaperone was originally from Cuba and mm -hmm. she was explaining, she's like, if they tell you one price, you got to heckle down to a lower one because they're jumping it up for you. They're jacking up the price. And, mm. and I guess that was just like kind of a, a minor stigma to it. So whenever mm. someone would be like, Hey, this is, you know, 20 Cuban pesos, like it's actually more like five and they're just trying to get the best of them of your money of, of your wallet. Mm. Wow. And that story of the man that you met out on the beach, it just reminds me of our parents of how, they dreamed of seeing a brighter, better future for their children. And I think it's just so interesting that you met someone who kind of lived like your dad lived, essentially, but they took two separate paths. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this man, he was fishing at like 11 o'clock at night along the, the coast. You know, oh, you're wow. really not going to catch too much fish, but he's like, I come out here every night to try to catch fish to, to feed the family. And the fact that he had that kind of dedication and you know being in a part of the city that you know sometimes could be a little a little dangerous you know especially that late at night when there isn't too much uh light posts around or gas lamps so the the drive there i mean the people really had a dedication and work ethic to to do the best for them and their family wow yeah for sure and what would you say is like your biggest takeaway from that cuba trip the biggest takeaway was that even these people who I'm seeing I would say there's two two different takeaways one takeaway okay. is we have this idea that people in Cuba are all of them are miserable and that's really not the case you know matter of fact Wesley a lot of the people that we've talked to they they actually looked up to Fidel Castro mm. they because Castro was able to give them um, a system, some kind of infrastructure, because Cuba was dirt, pro dirt broke. They, they didn't have much. Mm. And when Castro came into power and implemented communism, communism gives everybody a job, everybody a house, uh, everybody the same opportunities to um, just have a normal life. Mm -hmm. And some people would have never gotten that if they if he didn't come in and implement those those governmental infrastructures so a lot of people that i've encountered they they actually don't have a problem with him at all it was almost wow. kind of like we were brainwashing to thinking that castro was the the enemy to his own people 
And that might have been the case in some situations, but it's not the entire country's view on him. And, wow. and, and my personal takeaway is that even if a country is stuck in, for quote unquote, a, a time capsule, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're, that they're struggling or that they're unhappy. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's still an extremely beautiful country that has amazing people and a lot of charm to it. And even just like, like I mentioned those cars, like it it blew my mind, man. Like these T-Birds, they had, I swear, they had like 300,000 miles on it, but they take care of it. They, 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 if they're given something, they like, they cherish it. And they take care of their cars every day because they, that's the way they make their living. If they get any little piece of something, it's incredible to them because they cherish it. It's almost as if, they're just content with, with what they have, even if it means they have to struggle a little bit for it. They, at the end of the day, they know what's important in life, and that is to support each other and, and their families. Wow, that's so beautifully well said, especially the part of just Cuba being taking their own time, because we're all taking our own paths and all being countries. Like the U.S. is going one way, Cuba has its own thing, and it's not a competition. It's just how we all approach life. And so that was very beautifully said. Yeah, yeah. I I hope that one day everyone can be able to visit the country at least once. And mm-hmm. it's it's really not as, as bad as people perceive it to be. Um, mm-hmm. But it's at the end of the day, it's all opinion. You know, if, if you go there and it's a different kind of experience, then... It's unfortunate, but at least from what we've seen from our group, it was very eye-opening. And I encourage everyone to, to really view, go there with a different view, an open mind. Mm. And what's one activity or experience you would recommend someone to do if they were to travel there for a week? Oh, <laughs> for a week? Um, mm. Well, I, I would certainly start off by checking out all the history museums of, of Cuba because it really shows a different light of their history because we only get a specific piece of it, talking about the Bay of Pigs and the Cuban Missile Crisis. And that's like as far as we know about, and Castro and, and Che, and that's really all we know about Cuba. But going there and, and learning about, um, you know, the predecessors and Raul Castro and and the way the country was before communism took place was really fascinating so checking mm. that out going to what i mentioned before i think it was called the fusterlandia it's it's kind of this like huge um plate kind of park museum similar to something you would see in like barcelona and um even going to like one of their beaches uh there's plenty of them around and Actually, uh, there's a lot of great artists there too. Uh, a lot of amazing um, street artists. Uh, I, one of my um, favorite graffiti legends, uh, Cope Two, uh, went to Cuba and he painted a lot of different murals and, and tags all around the city to kind of give him more personality in life. So just even kind of taking a tour guide and exploring the city safely, um, you can see the, the beauty in it or even just seeing uh, the families walking around 
and checking out their restaurants because now they can do that homemade cooking literally and you can experience how this household cooks their their rice and their chicken and, and their beans and then uh, whatever else the, the people next door have um, if they have a restaurant running and now oh, another quick story I wanted to mention was um, even in the hotel that we were in it was called the Riviera mm -hmm. um, there's uh, a lot of history with the mob there too and mm -hmm. it was this one crazy night uh, me and my friends we we went downstairs to the basement um they had this kind of like a bar type of thing it was renovated and stuff and we were just grabbing a couple drinks we we kind of just wanted to start off the night a, a little light and we when we finished up we went to the elevators and we hopped on there was three elevators we went to the one in the middle so we hopped on there and obviously we were kind of a little buzzed so <laughs> when we got on there we were just all chit-chatting and the doors closed and no one clicked a button. And we started going up. So we were looking at each other and we're like, we didn't click anything, like where are we going? <laughs> and then all of a sudden the elevator stops, the doors open and we were on a completely unmarked, completely gutted hotel floor. And it was the most eerie sight we've ever seen. We were like, what is this like this this can't be allowed for guests this is this seems like uncharted territory wow. so we just stood there in awe and we're like what did we just see so the doors closed up and we went down the lobby and we got off the elevator we're freaking out we're like what's going on like that 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 was amazing like did you see that like that was unbelievable and hotel staff they kind of had a suspicion on what happened so they they kind of ran to the elevator, they hopped on, and we we went, we took an elevator, we went upstairs to our chaperone, and we're like, we saw the most like crazy thing ever. It felt like a horror movie. And she was like, Oh my gosh, like I forgot to tell you guys. So this hotel used to be run by one of the kingpins of, of Cuba, of Havana. Mm -hmm. And this was like one of their laundering kind of uh, set pieces where they would launder their money and mm -hmm. they would use that floor it was a secret floor so whenever the mob would go in there or anyone involved would go to that elevator not click anything and it would automatically bring them to that floor and it was wow. we were in complete shock that even something like that still existed so Dang. i was being you know the stupid college kids were like we're gonna go back on the elevator and we, we hopped on the elevator and we did the same exact thing clicked nothing and it did the same exact routine except when the doors opened up, there was a completely brand new brick wall across it. You could not oh, enter the floor wow. anymore. And that like gave me these goosebumps. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, whoa, like they really don't want people to see this and to know about this. So wow. that was probably the most memorable story I've, I've had of Cuba. That's so awesome. Yeah, it was something. So you had that great opportunity of going to a spring break trip to Cuba. Were there any other opportunities during college where you get to travel and spend just a lot of time in that country? Yeah, so after the Cuba trip, I, I realized that I, I wanted to take more advantages of what the school offered in terms of international programs and stuff. So 
my, my major was international business. And in order for me to graduate, it was actually a requirement for me to study abroad for at least one semester. And there was plenty of options for my major in areas like Australia and I think London and Scotland were, were the big three. But I really didn't have too much of an interest going to one of those. So what happened was my, um, my older sister, she actually went to college in Slovakia. She went to City University. It was a branch from a Seattle, um, City University of Seattle uh, school. And she studied business as well. So when I found out like, oh, you know, she went to that school and it's primarily business, I think that maybe I could spin a program to Arcadia because you can make your own if it gets approved to go to Slovakia. Uh -huh. I explained to them, I'm like, this is exactly the requirements uh, that this school offers compared to Arcadia. They match, they align. My academic advisor even approved of it. Oh, and that's so cool. It, it was um, awesome. Like, it, with the grace of God, like, it, it happened. It worked. And I managed to go to Slovakia first semester during the fall. So it went into the winter. And I never really experienced or have any memory of Slovakia during the winter time. And mm -hmm. I was just really excited to be able to see a different season of the country because mm -hmm. I'll tell you right now, like you and the viewers, Eastern Europe is not just Siberia, right? it's not just tundra. Mm -hmm. Like it, it has a normal cycle of winter, snow and being cold and all that stuff. So yeah. I just want to kind of experience that beauty and be able to be there for Christmas and New Year's. And so I went to City University in Slovakia and mm -hmm. it's a, actually a school that you have to be fluent in English. So it's a private university oh, wow. in Slovakia and you have to pay for it. So state schools in Slovakia are free because of socialism if you're a citizen. Mm. So I went to um, City University and everyone there spoke English. So at this point in time, like I'm like, I could flip between one and the other, but I instantly felt like, like an outlier in a way. Like people were like, oh, we know you're not from, we know you don't live here. We know you don't normally go to school here. Where are you, where mm. are you from? And, so I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm originally from here, the same town, but I grew up in, in America. And that kind of gave people a little bit of a, a, a stigma in a way that they're like, oh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't understand us. We could, we could even talk smack about him if we want, but I called those people out immediately. And, and mm. there was the good people, like good friends that I met. And, and they were like, oh, you know, I'm, this is so cool. Like, have you been to New York? Have you been to Philly? And and uh, they're like, oh, you know, um, like, I just want to get to know you more. It, like, this is so cool. I never met anyone from the States. And I, I made great friends there. I spent the whole semester. I passed successfully. Um, wow. I feel like my essays, <laughs> I feel like I, I would have gotten, a, like, all the essays I've done. I should have gotten, like, maybe a, a 70 or 80 on them. But these professors, they gave me like a hundred because they're like, oh, he speaks, you know, fluent English. Like he speaks it better than me. So I could, you know, I, I'm not going to correct something that <laughs> I don't think is 100% right because wow. I could be wrong. So I, there was a little bit of perks there, here and there. But mm -hmm. it really created a lot of lifetime friendships and a lot of good stories, a lot of great memories. 
uh, a lot of them just really going out to pubs and into the club and actually this this one story that comes to mind is we went to this one dive bar in in uh in the city downtown mm-hmm. and it was a really crappy bar like it went underground like at least two stories and oh, it was wow. known to be kind of kind of like trash like it wasn't that great it was wasn't well lit and it was i think it was called cleopatra which is kind of a contradiction but anyways <laughs> um we we went there and we were just kind of having fun partying and stuff and mm-hmm. me and my friend uh he was actually from libya he was studying abroad mm-hmm. there too he's like oh brian wow. i need help ordering something so we went to the bar and we're sitting there we're talking and and next thing we, we know like 15 minutes pass and there's no bartender everyone's kind of looking around they're like we're like i want to order a drink and this and that so we're like what's going on here uh, clearly something's something's wrong this guy's been mm-hmm. gone for 15 minutes next thing we know SWAT team comes rolling in they just raid the place there was maybe like 15 20 guards in something that was like a 900 square foot club it wasn't very big at all Dang. 20 SWAT people coming in with guns in the armor running around and we're like oh my god what's going on and one of the SWAT team members, he comes around the bar, takes off his helmet, turns around, puts his hands on the bar, and he's like, all right, guys, what do you want? Drinks are on the house. And we're <laughs> like, why? And we're going, like, top shelf of bottles and everything like that. And, um, and we eventually found out uh, later on in the news that the bartender was actually dealing drugs. And someone Whoa. tipped him someone tipped off the the police that he was doing that and someone else tipped him that they're coming so he took off he fled Uh and the SWAT team didn't catch him in time but um that that was one of my um you know crazy (laughs) moments that I had in during that semester um yeah even just drinking responsibly that's you know crazy things like that happen um yeah, yeah I mean it was college and it was definitely a lot of fun. So uh, that was just one of the craziest memories I had that semester. Wow, that's such an amazing story. Yeah, yeah, it was something. <laughs> <laughs> so all those adventures you had were just so cool to listen to with being Slovakian, Cuba, and Philly. One of your, your current destination right now is Chicago. So can you tell us how you transitioned there and what life is there life is like there now yeah so the real reason why i ended up in chicago was because i took a different job when i was out in philly um i decided to to leave the the kicks lifestyle corporate thing and um decided to pursue this virtual education consulting career and really what happened was they're like you know we have someone in philly but we need someone out in, in Chicago. Do you mind kind of relocating? And at that wow. point in time, nothing was holding me back. I mean, I just graduated from college, um, wasn't in any relationship. Um, you know, I don't really have too much family here that I need to take care of. So uh, I, I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I would love to go to Chicago. I heard it was an amazing city. It was just one of those places you have to visit in the U.S. And when I moved out here, I actually went on Craigslist and 
found a, a couple that was renting out the room that they had in their in their condo and that's really how I kind of got started in the city I was just renting from from a couple and and I decided to go that route because I wanted to at least know somebody before I mm -hmm. came to the city and they really helped me get adjusted to where everything is how to do certain things where's the even the best places to go eat and ensuring me that because I moved out there in, in January and they were telling me they're like look this isn't Chicago's not just a blizzard all right the summertime is amazing it's fantastic like you're you're gonna love it mm. so that transition to Chicago was so much easier because I had roommates at the time and you know eventually I found my own place and at that point I was well settled into into uh, Chicago and I even had a friend from back home tell me about a city church Chicago a church that I should visit so I really got back on my path with God and um, found a community there too and eventually met you there so um, mm -hmm. Chicago has been just really nice to me ever since I moved here mm. and how long have you lived in Chicago thus far a little over two years now and uh, I plan on staying uh, definitely longer. Yeah. And do you consider it your home now? I do. Yeah. It, you know, whenever people ask me, where do you live? I certainly say Chicago. If they ask me where I'm from, I, I say Philadelphia. And just to make things easier, if I explain Slovakia, then it would go into a whole different yeah. story. But I just tell them, you know, I'm from Philly. And um, there are certain things that Chicago has in terms of personality that's different than the east coast so mm. people kind of sense they're like all right you're you're not really from chicago but it is your home now and i, I just like kind of adding that little bit of a flair from philly style to chicago style in terms of mm -hmm. the way you talk the way you carry yourself the way you walk and even the shoes and clothes you have and all mm. of that so i would say chicago is my home now mm. that's awesome how would you describe the Chicago style? I'll say the Chicago style is a little bit slower paced compared to the East Coast. It still is a, a bustling city that has a lot of things going on, but I think people are more willing to stop and kind of give you a helping hand and, and a little bit more kind. Like I mentioned before, mm -hmm. Philly is kind of more of a gritty city and I spent a lot of time mm -hmm. in New York too. And that that's, even even crazier than both of these cities combined. But Chicago, I feel like it's just much more friendly. And even in the summertime, it's so much more active. Like there's mm -hmm. people running, biking, walking their dogs. Like that's something you really don't see in Philly. There, there are people around, but they're not, I wouldn't say they're lazy. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that I feel like there's just a active vibe that, that, goes on in Chicago and maybe it's due to the weather maybe it's because in the winter time it's so cold and people just can't wait to go outside and be able to exercise and do these things and and take their dog out it's a very dog friendly city so Chicago mm -hmm. I just feel like it just becomes so much more alive especially in the summertime and and it's so much more cleaner <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's a clean city you know if you look it I just think it's because it's more architectural uh, in terms of innovation. Like it's, it's, it's very friendly in, in those kind of pieces. And, and in the East coast is, it's a little bit older, as you could tell, that's where 
we settled when you get to America. Um, yeah. And they came over here. Everything was established in Boston, Philadelphia. So it still has that older sensor kind of vibe to it. Um, kind of run down in a sense, but charming. So what's one thing you would recommend people to do in Chicago when they visit? Yeah, so really depending on on the season that you visit. If you go, if you come out here in the wintertime, there's really not too much to do and see just because it gets really cold out here. It, it kind of hits a, a sub-zero kind of temperatures to it. Um, so if you did come in the wintertime, I, I would suggest maybe checking out stuff like the Hancock Tower and the Sears Tower, which is actually called, and <laughs> and really just maybe hitting up like Chinatown and get some some hot pot kind of Mongolian food where it'll just warm you up and, and uh, make sure it keeps you active and, um, you know, really just checking out all that stuff that's really indoors, maybe one of the uh, Chicago history museums, which is really cool learning about the Chicago fire that happened back then. And yeah, wintertime, it's, it's a lot more indoor stuff, I would say. But the summertime is when I really recommend people to come out and, and experience the city because it's something unlike I've ever seen. Uh, what I would suggest doing on a summer in Chicago is waking up early, going to a small cafe bakery and getting some breakfast there, then walking out towards Lakeshore Drive, where you'll see people running along this um, well-made blacktop uh, path where you can exercise or just take in the view, uh, maybe just walking down there and hopping on a divvy bike and driving along the the lake shore you know and, and checking out lake michigan and as you start to come closer to the city there's these these beaches that they have north ave and oak street beaches where you can hop off your bike and literally jump into the water and be in this nice refreshing cool lake michigan water looking wow. over the city and the skyline of chicago it's it's beautiful and it's it just it's one of those moments that if I describe it to you it, it really doesn't do just like you just have to mm -hmm. check it out and once you hop out of the water Michigan Ave is right there you can just go to one of the stores maybe do a little shopping go to the Nike store Under Armour they got a really cool Disney store in there and and then from that point on I mean I, I would suggest maybe checking out Chicago style hot dog devil dogs Ooh, or yes yeah they're something like I've never seen before. I'm like, wow, I putting onions and jalapenos on a hot dog sounds kind of weird, but it's delicious. Mm -hmm. That's the thing I miss a lot about Chicago is their food. It's so unique. Like oh, us yeah. in California, I, you just can't find anything like it. The hot dogs, the pizza, and especially the soul food, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I experienced all, all three of those dishes that, that you recommended and a really good soul food place, uh, smoke barbecue, a uh, little bit more, I would say west, like northwest of Chicago, has a really good place, uh, really good food, and Giordano's, or actually I would say Illuminati's for, for deep dish, <laughs> and if there's viewers that are planning on going to see Chicago with a group of people, one pie of deep dish will feed all four of you, so... Yeah, it's it's a lot of food, so don't get fooled by oh, you know, I can have two or have my own pie. No, it's it's a calzone pizza. You you'll get filled up quite quickly. 
and and then maybe after that I would uh, I would say on Saturdays and I think it was Wednesdays or Thursdays they do fireworks um above oh, wow. the lake yeah by by Navy Pier where they have the big Ferris wheel and you could hop on a, even one of these tour boats that'll take you literally like right under the fireworks and it's it's just like magical for lack of better words I think when you were taking me back from like revival night I vaguely remember seeing fireworks outside your car window. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, revival night, revival was, on night was on a Wednesday, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that, I would recommend doing all of that in one day for a day of Chicago. That's, that's what I would recommend. Wow, those sound just like absolutely amazing things. Oh, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. That's what I did when my, uh, my mother visited. You know, just did all of that, and she was like, I can't wait to come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a beautiful city. Yeah. And I understand that you use your voice to tell stories, and one thing that you're planning on work, that you're launching, is your own podcast, Testimonies Chai. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, I really appreciate that, too. Testimonies Chai is a anthology series podcast um, based in Chicago. And, and what it is, is um, I bring on a new guest every episode and it's kind of interview slash monologue style where I just provide people the opportunity and the platform to share their testimony, you know, their path to God and, and how they continue to live for him. And I, I just kind of realized one day that, you know, I, w- I wanted to use my voice and, and, make a podcast but I didn't know what it was and it just kind of clicked with me that whenever I would go to church and they would show a testimony these people had incredible stories and I'm like man I would love to share mine and the way the way that I was raised in church and kind of fell off in college and then came back to God um, Mm -hmm. you know I, I wanted to share that platform with everyone so I'm just creating that space for people to share their testimonies and they're, they're incredible. They're, they're truly incredible stuff. So hopefully you and, and some other people could check it out when it launches. Yeah. That's so amazing. And a little background for both our podcasts. We both essentially launched at the same time because I hit up Brian saying happy birthday on his birthday. And we just <laughs> caught up a bit and he was like, yeah, I'm starting a podcast. And I was like, wait, me too. And so we both told all our ideas to each other. And we said, like, you know, what's actually stopping us from doing this? And we both said kind of nothing. And so we (laughs) both challenged each other to at least record the first episode with just us solo to tell our stories and then get our guests on it. And so it's like beforehand, we didn't have a strong relationship at all. We were kind of at an acquaintance level just because like we met two years ago, but I still yeah. want to be intentional about keeping that relationship alive. And now it's just turned into something awesome where we're both supporting each other on our podcast so that we both can share other people's stories. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm glad the way we connected and, uh, you know, God draws us together and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just, and this right here travel uh recovering travel junkie is that's where it's at i mean this is an amazing <laughs> podcast and um 
I love the accountability that we have for each other. So if anyone ever wanted to do something, you know, having an accountability partner is extremely helpful. Mm -hmm. And me and Brian, we're in two different cities, two different time zones, and we're being accountable for each other. And it's just so awesome to see us progress week after week. Yeah, and during a quarantine. So <laughs> no excuses. <laughs> yeah, no excuses under this time of quarantine. So Brian, what's one thing you recommend people to do to live a regret-free life? Uh, that's a, yeah, that's a tough question. Um, you know, I, what I would recommend is for, for people to follow their dreams, to not get discouraged. Mm -hmm and to be confident in what you're trying to pursue. Because I, I know back in the day when I was a kid, I, I had a lot of different dreams and goals and, and things I wanted to try. And whenever I would bring them up to people at, or friends, they would either maybe do a laugh or be like, oh, you can't do that, or oh, you would totally bomb if, if you tried doing this. And, and I gotta say that that definitely sent me back a little bit and kind of discouraged me into trying to create or produce or do something. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I would recommend people to, you know, just kind of tune those people out and not to be discouraged and to be confident in yourself and to give it a shot. Whatever you're dreaming, whatever you're thinking of, go for it. And mm -hmm. you will not know what it's going to turn out, what it's going to be like, but at least you'll know and you won't really have that regret. And I guess just a, something I would like to tie that into is one of the tattoos I have is is a Proverbs 4.23. It's above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And the reason why I have that near my heart tattooed is because everything you do, you pour your heart into. And you have to be careful who you share, who you share your vision, vision with. So whoever you share your vision with, can either respond in a positive or a negative way. And not everybody needs to hear what you're trying to do and what your goals are because they could be harmful to you. But there are the right people that will encourage you and help you to get started. Um, perfect example is you and me. I mean, you gave me the confidence to actually pick up the mic and pick up the, the keyboard and start typing my script out to start recording and get what I had in my mind in every reality. And mm. because of that, I'm, I'm not living that regret-free life that I wish I could have done that when I was younger or when I had the time or the opportunity. So I recommend people to not, like I said, not get discouraged, be confident in yourself and be careful who you share your vision with because not everyone deserves to, to hear it. Make sure you pick those people properly because then they will encourage you and help you reach new heights that you would never imagine that you can reach. Mm. Wow. That was so awesome, Brian. Thank you so much. And one last thing. Do you have anything to promote? I know your podcast, Testimonies Chai, is still currently under development, but do you still want to promote that? Absolutely. Yeah. So Testimonies Chai, um, hopefully I'll be throwing it up there on iTunes, Spotify, and I'll be making a Twitter and Instagram handle for it. But for the time being, you can follow me on Slovakian underscore schmack, schmack as in S-H-M-A-C-K. 
Slovakian as in what you call a Slovak person. So Slovakian underscore, underscore schmack. And I'll definitely leave a, a link and uh, bio to the testimonies chai when that's um, up and running. Mm -hmm. Thank you again, Brian. This whole conversation is just so amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you so much, Wesley. I hope I could be on here again and I would love to have you mm -hmm. on testimonies chai as well. And I will be. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it, bro. Hey guys. So yeah, Brian and I really push each other to pursue our podcasts and we become accountability partners. There's this quote from the book, The Defining Decade, that talks about weak ties or acquaintance level relationships. It is the people we know the least well who will be the most transformative. So I've only met Brian three times in person and it was only because of an intentional happy birthday message that changed both of our paths. So I encourage you all to reach out to your weak ties too. You never know who can help you advance your career or your relationships. And be sure to follow Recovering Travel Junkie on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. And catch us next time, wherever you get your podcasts. See ya.